0: we got to dive in. Can we do that? You ready for some word? Amen. I am ready for some word. Come on. God has given us his word, and the word is what changes us. Amen? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Is that true? So if we're going to build our faith, we're going to find out what God said to us, we got to hear the word. That's why we have worship. That's why we sing. That's why we come before the Lord, is we just prepare our hearts to hear the word. We get our attention off of our stuff, and our week, right? and our Monday morning tomorrow, and then we look and put our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus, right? Jesus is the Word. We're looking unto Jesus. Can you handle that? So I'm going to say some stuff in the Word that's probably going to shake you a little bit, right? It's my job is to make sure that the, that the comfortable are a little bit afflicted. <laughs> if you're comfortable, I want to get some stuff in there and make you a little uneasy, get you thinking about what God has said to us, Right? And our job as Christians is to help the the afflicted and make them comfortable. Is that true? People that are afflicted by the world, afflicted by the enemy. So I don't want you to just come to church and be just comfy. Like, yeah, I I agree with all of that. That was wonderful. I want you to walk away thinking, you know what? I could do better there. I could make some changes. I could make some adjustments, right? Because we're all doing that. Is that true? Got any musicians in the house? You're tuning your instruments all the time, right? Your guitar, I need to tweak that a little bit. True? You need to tweak some things. You need to keep your piano in tune. We're, doing, we're making adjustments. We're, we're not quite... right. Little, little adjustments go a long way, don't they? All right. Turn with me to Philippians 4. I'm, I'm starting with this. Every time I talk about money, I'm going to start with this verse so that you guys know what my heart is. My heart, in talking about generosity, is not just um, to just introduce the subject of money. It is just like Paul said. You know that Jesus talked about money more than any other subject? You can find 2,000 verses in the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, on the subject of money. You can five, find 500 scriptures on the subject of faith, 500 on the subject of healing. Come on now, when, when the Lord's got that many, that many scriptures talking about money, he, he, he thinks it's important. That means that we've got to position it in the right place. Is that true? So we're going to talk a little bit about money. So don't, don't clench up on me. Just stay with me. Come on, this is Word. This is going to help you. Amen? Philippians 4, Paul said this in in verse 16 and 17 in the Amplified. He said, for even in Thessalonica, you sent to me these contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. He said this, Paul said, I don't seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit. A harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. So that's my heart. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I am not going to take an offering at the end of service. I just want us to understand the subject of money because we are all, as believers, all of us are going to have to pass the money test. We have to pass the money test. When we pass the money test, it qualifies us for true riches. Come on now. If we can't pass the money test, we're, we're going to be spinning our wheels for a while. I promise you, this is how it works. When we put God ahead of our money, there's a heart of generosity that comes out of us because our Father is generous. And this is why God said he loves a cheerful giver. See, as, as, as people trying to give to God, sometimes we want to give God what we love. Well, this is something I love, so God will love this. But we want to give to God what God loves. And God says he loves a cheerful, prompt-to-do-it giver. That's what God loves. So that's 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 who He's looking for. He's looking for people that are cheerful and prompt to give, and we can give God what He loves. Come on, isn't that good? You wanna you wanna bless your kids with things that they like, right? I mean, I would love to give my kids a uh, a shop compressor, you know, a big one that I can <laughs> air up tires, and that would be wonderful for me to get. But my kid would look at me like, "What is that?" I'm like, maybe we can blow up your inflatables for swimming. I mean, I could spin it all kinds of ways to try to get her on board with me. She is not going to be excited about a shop compressor, I'm telling you right now. Right? But that's not how we give. We give based on what they like. Is that true? So God likes some stuff. And he's told us. And he wants us to to be that way. He wants us to be just like him. There's a reason why he looks at us and wants generous givers because he sees a part of himself in us. That we're his kids and we're acting like him. Just, we're just going to be generous. We're going to be good, and we're going to be kind to people, right? Simple things, simple things, like you're leaving the grocery store, and somebody's struggling to load their, load their truck, their car with their groceries, right? This happens frequently at Home Depot, right? Somebody do-it-yourselfer has come and gotten a 4x8 sheet of plywood, and they have a Honda Civic, <laughs> Can I help you put that on top of your car? (laughs) Maybe I should help you strap that down because I'm not sure you're going to make it. I mean, you will have opportunity all the time to help people, to offer your services. It's just having a heart of generosity. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So uh, Webster's Dictionary defines generous as liberal in giving, marked by abundance or ample proportions, characterized by a noble or kindly spirit. Synonyms for generous are big-hearted, bountiful, charitable, free-handed, the opposite, the antonym for generous, cheap, selfish, stingy. Nobody wants to be labeled that stuff, ever, right? Ever, even if you are. If you are the stingiest miser Scrooge that can be, nobody wants that on their gravestone. Here lies stingy, right? It's true. Here's cheapo, el cheapo. Nobody wants that label, right? Right? So let's not be stingy. Let's be generous. Amen? You guys okay? (laughs) Paul told his pastor, he said, charge those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. I got news for you. You live in America, and you're in the top 3% of the world for income, no matter what you make. Top 3%. We're blessed, right? No matter where we're at. But the beauty of it is is generosity is not based on how much money you give. It's based on your heart. If you don't think you have enough to be generous, you are incorrect because there's something in your hand. It might be a dollar. Five bucks, ten bucks. Come on now, you got something in your hand. You have time, talent, and treasure in you that you can give, that you can sacrifice. Generosity is a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Yeah? God is good. So we have to ask ourselves, why don't people get happier when it's time to give, when it's time to sow, when it's time to give into the kingdom? Why do people just go, oh boy, here we go again? And I, I, would, I would lay this out before you this because our attention's on the wrong thing. Our attention's on subtraction. Our attention is on the gift and not on the fruit that it produces. True? We're conscious of our giving and not on the generosity of God. Thinking subtraction and not multiplication. Have you ever given something to somebody and you were just thinking, Man, if I could just get that back, I would be happy. <laughs> right? Lord, I just need a refund of whatever, whatever that, that's all I want. If I could just get a refund, God is not in the refund business. He's in the multiplication business. It's how the whole system's set up. You don't want to just get refunds back from God. You don't want to just receive back what you've sown in. He's in the multiplication. When you sow seeds, it produces multiple fruit. Multiple things. God is not shy when it comes to this. He's like, man, when you sow, whatever it is that you sow, you will reap a harvest. Do it with a good heart. Do it with a good attitude, a cheerful, a cheerful giving heart. You will receive a harvest. He promised it would. And this isn't about giving to get, right? I agree with the. I agree with the statement. I said this last or two weeks ago. I agree with the statement that if if you are giving to receive back from from that which you have given to, then that's an incorrect attitude. Right? If you sow into somebody and like, well, they better they better remember that and pay me back with interest, then you've missed the heart of giving. But when you sow knowing that God sees everything that you do and that he will repay, now your attention is not on where, so where, where you sowed it. You see that? So we do, we do give with an expectation. Farmers sow into the ground with an expectation every single time, right? Do you have any gardeners? Seriously, no gardeners? What's the matter with you guys? Do you have any gardeners? One, two, three. Okay, we've got a couple hands. So when you put a seed in the ground, you're expecting more than one tomato, right? That's a sad day. When you water that and you take care of it and you get one tomato and then who in the house gets it, right? You better get there early and eat it green because somebody, my kids will find that red tomato. It'll be gone. You're expecting multiple tomatoes, right? This is not wrong. This is trusting that when you sow and you give, God is going to multiply that back to you. Not from the source you gave it. He's the source, amen? We give unto God. When we sow unto other people, we give unto the Lord. He's the one that will repay. He promised he would. So we got to be generous, amen? God loves a cheerful giver. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, he says he loves a cheerful giver, takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, prompt-to-do-it giver. God is unwilling to do without a cheerful, prompt-to-do-it giver. That means if your heart is giving, God is unwilling to do without you. You think about that. The creator of planets and stars has said, I've seen Patty's heart. And she's a prompt to do it, cheerful giver. And I am unwilling to do without her. Let's make sure she's taken care of. Think about that. You position yourself for God to say, I am unwilling to do without them. That's good news, right? Come on, this is God talking. In Proverbs 11, the Moffat translation says, one gives away and still he grows richer. How does that work? Another keeps what he should give and is the poor. A liberal soul will be enriched and he who waters will himself be watered. <laughs> Come on. God's system is not the same as the world system. The world system says, slave, work, save, save. God doesn't have any problem with saving. He wants to bless your storehouse. If you don't have savings in a storehouse, how can he bless it? But God's, God's plan of provision and multiplication will always outperform your savings. It will always outperform it. He's a debtor to no man. He's a good God. You guys okay? You guys need some coffee? Anybody need a break? Oh, man. It's going to be good. Stay with me. Listen to this. This is important. Our personal generosity is a direct reflection of what we understand about God's generosity to us. Our personal personal generosity to others is a direct reflection of what we understand about God's generosity toward us. When we understand how good God has been to us, what He's put into our hands, the people that He's put into our lives, come on the breath you took this morning when you woke up then it's easy it's easy to let things out of our hands it's easy you know that it's like man god is not short on anything he is not scrounging around trying to meet your needs on anything he is abundantly supplied and wants us to be abundantly supplied but there's a system and a tool by which we do it and he wants to see his kids be generous Do you know that tithing is just the beginning of the giving process? It's just the beginning. Just the beginning. It starts to get really fun when you step outside of that tithing number, when you set aside things. We said this in the very first week when we started this, that David prepared to give into the house of the Lord with all his might. That means there was some thought involved. There was some work involved. I would encourage you to think about this over the next few weeks and just say, Lord, what would you want me to set aside? What in my monthly budget, what in what you've put into my hand, do you want me to set aside that I could have a, a, a storehouse available to sow into the kingdom? Because if you never plan for it, right, you're just checking the, the change in the couch cushions. Oh, whoa, 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 it's time to give? Check, check your pocket, check your pockets. Honey, check your purse. No, no, that, that secret pocket in there, you know, where you keep the extra cash. Right? You're you're you start looking for the yeah, there's like five women go, oh, how does he know about that? Because I'm married. <laughs> I know where these secret compartments are. And she's always like, How did he know? <laughs> Do you got any cash on you? She's like, Oh yeah. God wants us to prepare, he wants us to plan to give to him because God loves a cheerful giver, and cheerful givers plan ahead. Think about a time when you when you put some thought and some effort into a gift you wanted to give someone. We're coming up on that season, right? You, you've spent some time researching and finding the right one with the, with the good Google reviews, right? Amazon said this is a winner and, and it's been tried and tested and I know they're going to like it, right? And you just can't wait, you can't wait to, to put it in their hand and see the joy that comes on their face when they receive it. God's no different. And his seasons, man, the more you sow into the kingdom of God, the more, guess what, the more harvest you can sow any time of year in any way, shape, or form into the kingdom of God. It is never out of season to sow into the kingdom of God. And all you're doing is you're continuing that harvest to keep coming and to keep coming and to keep coming. So this, this applies mostly, come on, it applies mostly to our financial Situation in our life. It applies across the board. If you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. It's true. You sow love, you're going to reap love. It's a kingdom principle. But right now, God's challenging us in the money issue because if we can pass the money test, we qualify for true riches. It's fun passing the money test. I'm telling you what, it's fun. Because God says, there's somebody I can trust. There's somebody I can trust. Thick or thin, they're going to honor my word. They're going to honor me. They're going to listen to me when I I speak to their hearts and say, you need to sow. Don't look down on a $5 gift. God told you to sow five bucks, sow five bucks. There's going to be a time in your life when he asks you to stretch beyond what you think. I heard a preacher say this one time. He goes, Lord... How will I know when I have given extravagantly generous? How will I know? And he goes, oh, you'll know. Because you will think about that for months, maybe years, after you sow that seed. Because if our giving doesn't affect us very much, neither will our, that harvest. Think about that. If it's a seed you sowed and you had to stretch by faith, Lord, I don't even know how this is possible, but I believe you're telling me what to do, and I'm going to obey. When you stretch like that, come on, there's big harvest coming. Whopper of a seed means you got a whopper of a harvest coming. God is good. (laughs) All right, look at this with me. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. This. This is a giver right here. You guys doing okay? Thank you, Lord. Matthew 26, verse 6. And when Jesus, you guys there? Matthew 26, 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table and as when, when his disciples saw it they were indignant saying why this waste for this fragrant oil might have been sold for much given to the poor that is such a religious answer those disciples why this waste We could have sold that and given it to the poor. This woman was bringing a year's wages in a fragrant oil. A year's wages. And she broke it and dumped it onto Jesus, poured it out over his head. Come on now, this was a sacrifice. She did this as unto the Lord. What a generous heart man, that was generous. And his disciples' first thought is, we could have done so much with that. But Jesus, when he was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil out of my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be a memorial to her. 2,000 years later, we're talking about the woman that broke the flask of oil over Jesus, anointing his body for burial. You think about this. Her gift was so strong and powerful that while Jesus was taking a beating and being spit on and tortured and hung on a cross, the fragrance of her gift was in his nostrils. He could smell that on his body while he was being beaten for us, while he was taking her sins on his body, while he was taking her sicknesses on his body, while the chastisement of her peace was being brought onto Jesus' body. He could smell the gift. What are our gifts doing for the kingdom of God? Are they tangible? Can they be smelt? Will they ring throughout the time of eternity? Come on now, that's a big gift. A year's wages of fragrant oil poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ and he could smell it all through the process. That's a good good gift. I think we just, as Christians, we just got to look to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I don't want to do the minimum. I don't want to just eke by. I don't want to just barely, A, make it into the gates of heaven. I want to come in strong, bold, knowing that I've gone after the things of God in all areas of my life. And we've got to check our hearts in some areas. And I realize, I realize I am talking to a giving, generous church. I know that. The church is doing great. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I am seeking the fruit that abounds to your account. We can do more. We can do better. We can give into the kingdom. And I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about all around you. You have divine connections in your life that God has appointed in you that you are to sow into and bless and be a blessing to you. Did you know that? Outside of this place, people that speak the word into your life, missionaries that you know, people going around the world, there are things that you can sow into, into the kingdom. Don't look down on small starts and small beginnings. Do what you can. Do what the Lord has prompted in your heart to do and watch God work on your behalf. Watch him work on your behalf because he loves a cheerful, prompt to do-it giver. He is not willing to do without you if you're willing to give. That means he's going to move other people, other things out of the way to get to his givers because he can trust you. Amen? God is good. Generosity is taught. You ever seen your kids hoard toys? Am I the only one? The pastor's kids hoarding toys. They've got four of the same thing, and then another kid takes one, and it's like life has ended. Are you kidding me? Like, and we can see that as adults from the outside, and we're like, they're not stealing it. I mean, they didn't go bury it in the backyard. They're just 10 feet away playing with the one of the four you have, right? And we just get this way, and we're like, what is wrong with my kid? Generosity is taught. Selfishness is a natural instinct, yeah? And we've got to teach them. That means we've got to learn some generosity too. You know, when you get around generous people... You'll be more generous? I am fired up about being more generous because I've been hanging around with some more generous people than I am. Like, man, that's good. I want to do that. Not in a a braggy, like, notch in your belt kind of way. Just like, man, I just want to be on a different level. There's a story about a corn farmer. He kept winning the prize corn Uh, contest at the state fair year after year after year size texture taste just prize corn how does he keep winning every year and it gets out that he's actually giving his prize seed you know they take the prize corn they save the seed from the prize corn and then they plant it for next year because it just keeps right it just keeps getting better you, use the, you don't use the stuff you got from the stockyard. You work toward the prize corn and use the prized corn seed for the next year, right? This is just farming 101. You use the best of the best when you sow your seed. Make that application in your life. The best of the best of what you have. Don't sow your old stuff that you don't want anymore. Okay, so this farmer was sowing his best seed. Guess what he was doing? He was giving his prize seed from his prize-winning crop every year. He was giving it to every one of his neighbors. And they were all planting his prize corn. Somebody's like, well, why are you doing that? You're trying to win this contest, right? I mean, that's your goal is is to keep winning, and you're giving your best seed to all your neighbors? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Isn't that... Creating more competition, and the farmer said this. He said, in cornfields, when the wind blows, pollination happens across all the fields. It cross-pollinates. And if I help their field be better, they're going to not degrade my field. They're going to help my field become better. The more I help people around me, the better my corn gets. Come on, this is a God principle. The more you help other people... The better your stuff's going to get, the more increase you're going to see. God takes care of his givers. He takes care of them. I have proven this so many times. But guess what? It takes faith. It takes a different mindset to go, I'm going to help somebody else, and I have needs right now. I have more needs than I have money to fix. But I know that if I sow this seed, it will produce such a harvest that I won't have to worry about my needs anymore. You can get to a place where your needs are completely taken care of, and now the extra coming in is something you can sow and help other people's needs. You're helping everybody else float around you? Thank you, Lord. One of the great lessons that breaks the control of money off of our life is generosity. Generosity. Come on now, if, you, if, you're, if you're having a hard time letting go of some money, you're having a hard time releasing this money thing to the Lord, you want to break it off your life, you just turn generous. And trust me, it's a decision. It is not a feeling. You wait for the feeling, you'd be waiting a long time. You, there's this things by faith you got to step out and do. Feel like it or not, I'm doing this because it says it in the Word. Come on now, get your attitude right, make a little tweak, make a little adjustment, we talk to our kids about attitude all the time. You have to talk to your kids about attitude. you know that? If you don't discipline for attitude, you are raising some kids that are going to be having some troubles. <laughs> Come on now, help me. you got to discipline for attitude. you got to discipline yourself for attitude. If your attitude stinks, you need to fix it right now. We tell our little one, change your face, because it's hard to tell her to change your attitude. She doesn't know what that is. But boy, her attitude shows in her face. Change that face right now You get a good nice face on there It's better right She's working on it I'll take a fake grin over a pouty lip But we got to tell ourselves that You got to change your face What's the matter with you We can do it It can be done God is good to us (laughs) You guys doing okay Luke 16 says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous man in the money, who will commit to you the true riches? It's a question. It's a rhetorical question, but there's an answer to it. If you've not been faithful in the money test, who's going to commit to you the true riches? It won't be the Lord. Right? There's a whole group of Christians who are like, well, I'm I'm just spiritual and I just trust the Lord. And they have no idea about how it is, what it is to be a, a giver. And God is not entrusting his true riches to those that are not givers. I'm telling you, you want to grow up, you want to be spiritually mature, which, by the way, is one of our visions of the church, is to see people grow up and become spiritually mature Christians. Do you know that? We, we got, a, we got a, a world full of churches with baby Christians that are just constantly needing to be bottle-fed, diapers changed. Come on, we're supposed to grow out of those phases. There's times when we're there, but we need to grow up. And that's one of our missions is to get nuggets like this and grow out of selfishness, right? Change our attitudes, become givers, the kind of givers that God wants us to become. But it takes some effort. True? We have to pass the money test. Come on, say, that's me. I'm going to pass. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8 says, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, he says, but as you abound in everything... Well, let me go back to verse 1. Let me go back to verse 1. I'm almost there. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded in riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This church was in great joy, but they were in deep poverty. And in their poverty, they said, we need to send a gift to Jerusalem. We need to send a gift to the saints in Jerusalem. Let's gather something together. Let's find whatever it is, and let's, let's pull together resources so that we can do this thing, this good work. And Paul is saying they had nothing, and they found something to give. Look at this. And verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, but, as, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. This is the verse I want to get to, verse 7. But as you abound in everything, as you're abounding in faith, you're abounding in speech, you're abounding in knowledge, you're abounding in all diligence, and in your love for, for us, see that you abound in this grace also. He's saying, see that you abound in this grace also. There is a grace to give. There is a grace to give. Did you know that? There is a grace that comes on us to be givers. And Paul is saying, don't neglect that grace. Don't miss it. When you've got the grace in in your speech, in your faith, in your knowledge, when you're learning and growing, don't neglect this gift of giving, this grace of giving. Don't do it. Don't do it. The Amplified said, in verse 7, now, as you abound and excel are in the front of everything, in faith, in expressing yourselves, in knowledge, in zeal, in your love for us, see to it that you come, in, you come to the front now and abound and excel in this gracious work of almsgiving also. There is a grace upon our lives to be givers and to be receivers and to be givers and to be receivers. He said, do not neglect this grace. There's power in it. There's power in it. Can you see that? Thank you, Lord. Last story. Brenda Jones, 69-year-old great-grandmother, had spent a year long on the donor list waiting to receive a liver. And after a year of waiting, on July 18th, the hospital in North Texas called and said they had a viable liver for her, and she was the next on the list. Meanwhile, a 23-year-old, Abigail Flores, also needed a liver. Her situation was more urgent than Jones's. And without a transplant, doctors feared Flores may, be one more day, may only have one more day to live. So they asked Jones to give up her spot so that Flores could get the precious organ. Jones agreed. She said this, In my heart, I wouldn't have been able to live with the liver if I had let this little girl die. So, so she, she gave up her spot. Jones was then, then placed back at the top of the donor list and in a few days got her liver god is no he's a debtor to no man telling you what a heart of just saying man you wait a you wait a year for an organ you desperately need and you're willing to give it up for the next one that needs it more than you there's something about that widows mite where she gave everything that she had and jesus said she's given more than everybody there's just something about even even when you feel like i don't I don't know where the rest is coming from, but I feel like God's prompting me. He is trying to get something to you. When he is stretching your faith in giving, he is trying to get something to you. There is something around the corner you don't see that you won't see unless you're obedient to the kingdom. You're obedient to the Lord Jesus. Generosity. So practice it this week. Try it. Try it. Maybe pay for somebody's groceries behind you in the line. Tank a gas for somebody at the gas station. Some it looks like they're going through a hard time. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe they need some cash in their hand. Come on, there's people in your life. God will bring you. When you set out to be generous, when you say, I'm going to find a way to be generous, God will get people to you. Is that true? Thank you, Lord. God is good. Let me pray for you.